Well, hey, Friendship family, good morning, good afternoon, good whatever time that you're joining us. Uh, So glad you could be here with us as we gather online for Friendship Online. Um, You know, man, it's been a wild week, hasn't it? Um, What a time that we're living in, I'm just telling you. Um, I I don't know about you, but it's just been a blur. I feel like I have not shepherded our church or even my own family very well this week. It's just, and I feel like we're probably all in the same boat, just trying to figure out how to live in this new normal and wondering how long it's going to be this way. And so, you know, my focus, I got back from a trip with my wife uh, on Sunday and then and, and our whole world's been turned upside down right alongside of you. And my focus this week has been how do I, how do we figure out a way to gather as the church this weekend so we're not going multiple weeks without being together worshiping? And so this is kind of uh, hopefully not a long-term um, deal. Uh, hopefully it doesn't last long, but who knows where we'll be in 24 hours, much less two weeks from now. And so we're just going to kind of roll with it, and we're just going to be the church, and we're going to be a, alone together, right? Um, so uh, we are in this time of uncertainty. A lot of unknown stuff going on, and so we're switching gears. We were in the midst of a series on the gospel according to David, and because of, in light of what we're experiencing as, as, as humanity, we are switching into a new sermon series starting today. You know, one of the things I've been wanting to do and one of the things I've been praying and considering is, is I'd love to preach through a book of the Bible. And I've just been asking the Lord, what, what do you want me to do there? And I've got a few months of sermons and things planned out, but I think all of that has been kind of scrapped right now. And so we're, we're going to go through a book of the Bible together. And I would encourage you to be reading through this on your own as well. And in fact, uh, We're not going through just one book. We're going through two books of the Bible. We're going to make our way through the New Testament epistles of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Okay, so they're two really short uh, little books or letters or epistles, letters written um, in the, the New Testament. And these are letters that were written to offer comfort and reassurance to those who are living in uncertain times. Sound familiar? And so that's what we're going to be doing is working through First and Second Thessalonians for the foreseeable future. Because you know what? Humanity tends to, and, and I'm in the same boat right along with you, I believe, is that humanity tends to obsess over the future. And what's happening right now in 2020 is we're seeing that play out in a lot of fearful ways, a lot of selfish ways even. And so we're going to start the series that we're calling Tomorrowland, Facing a Future Without Fear. Okay, uh, There was a, a movie a few years back called Tomorrowland, and it, it really it revolves around this idea of, of humanity obsessing over the future and how can we um, live in, in, in spite of this obsession for the future in a healthy way today. And you know what? The Bible itself speaks a lot about the future. In fact, in fact, it talks a lot about a, a coming king and a coming kingdom as, as, as this future unfolds for the people of God. And, and the theme of First and Second Thessalonians really is all about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about pointing towards the future. You know, you all have heard me talk a lot about this phrase of, of living between the, the, the already and the not yet. 
And when we say that, we're, we're referring to the already of Jesus coming in the flesh, the kingdom of God coming in the person of Jesus, and the not yet of his second coming, his return, the, 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 the fullness of the king, kingdom coming from heaven to earth. And we're living in this time between the already and the not yet. And what these two letters, First and Second Thessalonians, speak to is how do we live in light of, how do we live right now in light of the not yet, in light of his return? In other words, not stuck today in fear of what tomorrow may bring, but as followers of Jesus, living today in light of what we know tomorrow will bring. We know that Jesus is going to return and he is going to set up his kingdom and he's going to rule and reign and make all things right. And so how do we live today in light of the not yet of his coming? I, I just started reading a book yesterday uh, that has really encouraged me. I'm only a chapter in, but I'm loving it so far. It's called Seek First, How the Kingdom of God Changes Everything. It's by a, a guy named Jeremy Treat. And I want to read you a quick quote from, from this first chapter. The kingdom has already come, but it has not yet come in fullness. In between the already and the not yet of the kingdom, we are called to live with power for today and hope for tomorrow. And I believe that's what the series and what the letters of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians is all about. And so let me give, give us kind of a quick overview of some of the context of, of these letters, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. They were, these letters were written by the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, the story of, 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 of Paul, he was, his name was Saul. He was a very religious Jew who was persecuting the church until Jesus confronted him. He interrupted his life and totally transformed him by the grace of God. And Paul changed and God changed his name into Paul and he began to spread this good news of the gospel, the fact that Jesus has come and that he has offered us forgiveness of sins and power over sins through his death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, the good news. And so what Paul began to do is he began to take these missionary journeys, three, some say four missionary journeys, where he was spreading the good news of the gospel throughout Asia Minor and Europe. And on Paul's second missionary journey, he comes to this area, this Greek port city called Thessalonica. And, and he, he spreads the gospel. He plants a church there. And, and what I want to encourage you to do is, is, is read through Acts chapter 17. It's documented where you see Paul and Silas come into this, this, this city in Greece called Thessalonica, and they establish the gospel. They plant a church. In fact, one of my favorite descriptions in all of Scripture for the followers of, of Jesus is in Acts chapter 17, when the gospel comes to Thessalonica. It says that these who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And it refers to Paul and Silas and the men and women who are with them, who are, who are proclaiming the gospel, who are establishing the church in this area. Man, the people of that area get into an uproar because, and they throw out this insult. These who have turned the world upside down. And it, in fact, it turns, it, it turns out that that's actually a compliment 
that the people of God are the ones who turn the world upside down. And I would say that we are the ones who are turning this upside down world right side up. That was God's intention for his people. But there's an uproar in Thessalonica over this gospel work that's taking place. And, and, and what you see in that chapter is the people and the Jews in that area were, were angry and frustrated because what was happening was that these people, the claim was that, that these people, Paul and Silas and the Christians, the reason they were turning the world upside down is because they were declaring that there was another king outside of Caesar. There was another king outside of Caesar. I want you to remember that because we're kind of come back around to this idea of kingship and rulership and, and, and all of that. Okay, But this is the context. Paul and Silas, they plant a church in Thessalonica. They kind of get run out of town. Um, and then about a year or within a year uh, of them leaving, what happens is Paul sends Timothy uh, back to Thessalonica to get a report. How are, the, how are the Christians, how's the church doing in Thessalonica amidst all this persecution? And again, the persecution is coming because they've declared there's another king, King Jesus. And so this has caused the persecution that they're facing. So this, this, what happened is Paul sends Timothy back, finds out that the church is actually flourishing in the midst of affliction, and, and the word is brought back to Paul. And so this prompts Paul to write this letter to the Thessalonians, okay? And so he writes this letter in about 50 AD, which uh, if you're thinking timeline, it's about 20 years outside or after the time of Jesus' ascension back to heaven. Okay, so Paul establishes his church. The gospel is, 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 is going forth there. The church is flourishing amidst persecution. And what we find in the beginning of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, which is what we're going to look at today, it's 10 verses long, what you find is Paul thanking God for these Thessalonian believers, for their example, for their faith, for the way that they love and serve God and others, and for their hope in, in Christ. And, and I want us to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This letter that Paul writes here, starting in verse number one, it says, Paul, Silvanus, or, or Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. And so Paul starts out with really his typical salutation, grace and peace to you. And in verse number three, Here's this, this prayer, this, this thanksgiving that Paul is, is giving for their, the Thessalonians' faith and their example. Verse number two, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. 
For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so what we see in the first about eight verses of that passage, Paul kind of summarizes for us in verses 9 and 10, which is where I kind of want to land for the next few minutes. And I want to talk about the the Thessalonians' testimony, their testimony, what was true of them, what people knew of of their life and the way that they carried themselves. And it's really three simple but big things that, that were known of these followers of Jesus living in uncertain times, times where they were facing affliction, okay? And these are three things that were true of them that I would hope and pray would be true of me and of us, the people of God, the friendship family of God, okay? So three things. Number one is this. Paul says they turned Okay, well, let, me, let me read again verses 9 and 10. It says this, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. And so the very first thing he says is you, you turned or you began following. You turned to God from idols. And earlier in this passage, he says, you're, you're chosen. You're chosen. In other words, you are in Christ because you have received the gospel. You have put your faith in Christ. You are part of the family of God because you have turned to God from your idols. You've put your faith, not in yourself and not in your ways, but you've turned to the living and true God and you are, are following him. And this is the very first thing that he says is true of these Thessalonians. They have turned, they're following God. Paul said you turned to God from your idols. He, he doesn't say you've turned from your idols to God. In other words, he doesn't say, well, you had these idols And they just weren't cutting it. They just weren't doing the job. They just weren't fulfilling you. So you moved away from these idols. And then all of a sudden, oh, here's God. And then you found God who you tried out and you found him satisfactory. No, no. He says you turn to God. You turn to God and in him you found joy and peace and fulfillment. And he satisfied your soul So much so that you turned to him and away from your idols. You said, man, he is able to satisfy me. And these things no longer fit. These no longer cut it. And so you turn to God from your idols. And this is the first thing that is true of the Thessalonians. And then he he moves on to this second thing. He says, you turn to God from your idols to serve the living and true God. To serve the living and true God. 
And, and I want us to see something important here that I think we, we need to catch. He says in verse number six, go back there again. He says in verse number six, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Here, here's what he says about these Thessalonians. He says, you, you were in the midst of affliction and yet you were able to experience joy in the Holy Spirit. And here's what, he, here's what he's telling us. Here's what he's cluing us into. He's saying, it is possible. It is possible to go through affliction and still experience joy. It is possible for affliction and joy to coexist. But for many of us, the way that we live life is we go through suffering and we face affliction and all of a sudden it's as if we can no longer be joyful. It's as if we can no longer experience joy anymore until the suffering and affliction and the conflict ends. And what Paul says is true of these Thessalonians is you have turned to begin following after the true and living God. And now because you follow this God, you are able to endure affliction and yet still experience joy in the Holy Spirit. How is that even possible? How is it even possible, y'all, for us to go through the stuff that we're dealing with right now, the affliction and all the stuff that we're facing, the uncertainty? How can we go through affliction and still experience joy? It's because affliction is external. It's about stuff going on outside of us and around us. Whereas joy isn't external, it's internal. It's not dependent on the stuff going on outside of us. It's internal. And let me take it a step further. It's not just internal, it's eternal. In other words, it, it's something that is produced by, that comes from an eternal being, an eternal source. It comes from God the Father. It's, it's internal and it's eternal and it comes from God. We can only have joy when we have Christ in us. And so we can have joy in the midst of affliction. And this is what was true. This was the testimony of the Thessalonians that they were enduring affliction, but they were ex experiencing joy in the midst of it. Their love and their serving God. He, he says you turn from God uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so what we see that was, what was true of the Thessalonians was that their loving and serving God translated into loving and serving their neighbor, loving and serving others. In fact, if you, you look back at the passage, what Paul says is that, that, that your testimony, your faith, it, it sounded forth, your example, it sounded forth and has gone forth everywhere. It's gone forth everywhere. So they, they weren't just examples of the gospel, but they were extenders 
of the gospel, that the way that they lived life, they were examples of the light and the love of Jesus by the way that they carried themselves, by the way that they loved and served people. But they extended the reach of the gospel that it sounded forth, that it was so loud, it was so noticeable that it said it, it's gone forth everywhere. They extended the reach of the gospel. And so it began in their homes and in their neighborhoods and extended out into their community and into uh, their nation and into all the world, Paul says. You're extenders, examples and extenders of the gospel. And so that's the second thing that he says is true of the Thessalonians. And here's, here's the third thing that he says. Verse number 10, he says, you're, you're, you've turned, you're following. Number two, you're serving. And number three, you're waiting. Verse number 10, again, says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he called from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. He says that they've, they've turned, they're following God, they're serving this true and living God, and their, their example is, is, is going forth. It's extending the gospel as, as they love and serve others. And underneath all of this, he says, you're waiting for his son from heaven, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Y'all, waiting is part of the Christian life. We are called to be people who wait. It's part of our calling, y'all. But here is the problem. Here is the problem, particularly in our day and in our time, in our moment right now. We're called to wait. But our problem all too often is this. We wait on all the wrong things. We wait on the wrong things. We, we wait for our circumstance to change. We wait for things to shift. Or we wait for a person or a relationship to change. Or we wait for our suffering to come to an end. And we're not really doing what the Thessalonians were doing. We're not really doing the right kind of waiting. We're not waiting for his son from heaven no, we're waiting for things to change on earth. And this is, this is not what we have been called to. Here is the, the bottom line. Here is what I'm calling you to. Here is what I'm exhorting and pleading with all of us to do as chosen children of God. We have got to stop waiting for COVID-19 to go away. And we've got to start waiting for Christ the King to come back. That is what we are called to do. Not wait for the stuff to go away, for circumstances to change, for suffering and affliction to end, but for Jesus, for Christ our King to come back. That is what we're called to, y'all. That is the right kind of waiting that we are called to. Because listen, there is so much uncertainty in our world right now. And we, we cannot, we cannot, we have to refuse to be ruled by uncertainty. 
We have to refuse to be ruled by uncertainty because there is only one thing that is certain. Jesus is Lord and he's coming back. Everything else is up in the air. Everything else is uncertain. But that one thing is for sure. And so we have to be ruled by what is certain. The certainty is this, that Jesus is Lord and he is coming back, y'all. I don't know if you've seen the, the visual, the picture of the coronavirus, uh, what it looks like up close, the, the microscope view of it. Why is the coronavirus called the coronavirus? Well, according to the CDC, the coronavirus or coronaviruses are named for the crown-like spikes on their surface, okay? It's kind of a halo or a, a crown effect you see uh, along the surface of this virus. And the word corona in Latin literally means crown. And so here's what's going on in our world today, is there is this virus, there is this, this pandemic that is calling out to anyone who will listen, to anyone who will respond and it's calling out to us and it's saying this I want to wear a crown I want to rule and I want to reign and I want to dominate you through fear and through anxiety and through stress I want to rule over you and the problem is that as people of God we have someone named Jesus who is calling out to us as well. And here's what he is calling to us. He is calling and he's saying, no, 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 no. I am the one who should be wearing the crown. Let me wear the crown. I am the one who is fitting to sit on the throne of your life. I am the one who is, who is worthy. I am the one who is able to rule and to reign and to bring justice and peace and joy and anything else in your life that you allow to wear the crown will destroy you. It'll wreck you. But Jesus is saying, if you will allow me to wear the crown, if you will allow me to be who I say I am, the King of kings and Lord of lords, if you will allow me to sit on the throne and rule, listen, I will give you life. I will give you life. And I will give you peace that passes all understanding. And that comes when you allow me to be the king, when you allow me to rule and to reign. And so y'all, today, as we look back on the Thessalonians, their testimony was this, that they turned to God. They were following God. They were serving and they were waiting. Could this be our testimony in this day, in this moment that God has given us? Not to shrink back from what is going on in our world, but, but to rise up. And to be people who are characterized by our turning to and our following after Christ. And then our serving others, serving the true and living God. And that translates into loving and serving others. 
And y'all, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the application point is because I'm trying to figure it out too. And so we need to be talking and dialoguing and, and having the conversation. How do we love our neighbors? How do we be salt and light in our, in our neighborhood to the people around us and into our community? How do we do that? I don't know, but we've got to figure out a way to rise up to the challenge so that this could be the testimony that our example, we become examples and extenders of the gospel by how we serve. So we turn and follow and we serve and we wait. Not for this thing to go away, not for circumstances to change, not for things to get better, but we, we're people who are waiting on the Lord. That the longing of our hearts is for him to come back and to make things right. Would you pray with me? Father God, today we are grateful for uh, the opportunity, even, even in our living rooms, even uh, at a distance, uh, across a screen, Lord, that we could connect as your people, that we could worship you today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like the Thessalonians, that what is true of us is that we are people who are turned to you, that we are following you, that we're not following the wisdom of our day, that we're not swayed by uh, the wisdom around us of this world, but God, that we are turned wholeheartedly to you, that Lord, that we would not just be following you, that we would be serving you, the true and living God. God, that that would flesh itself out in how we love and serve our neighbor. And so, God, would you give us as a church, would you give me, would you give our families wisdom and how to serve, how to extend the reach of the gospel into our neighborhoods and into our community to be salt and light in the places where you've put us. And so, Lord, would you stir up in us a longing that we would day by day be people who are marked by waiting for you, waiting on you and your return. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be, that we would be ruled by what is certain. We would be ruled by the reality that you are the Lord and that you are coming back. And so God, would you use us as your people? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.